Hey, welcome to the Gospel Rant again. I'm Dr. Bill Sinyard, the president of Gospel App Ministries. Our website is gospel-app.com. Check it out. There's so much stuff on there, stuff that uh, would be valuable to you in your Christian walk. Uh, If you're a minister or you're a counselor, I think you'll find things, a lot of free things that would be very valuable to you uh, at gospel-app.com. You can also uh, track down our two online gospel immersion journeys, the path, the forgiving path, and the the dance. And I would uh, encourage you to participate in, in both of those. Hey, listen, on the Gospel Rant, we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount and particularly the Beatitudes. We are at Blessed Are the Peacemakers. We looked at it a little bit in the last podcast. This will be the second part of that. So uh, I want to get into it. So here's where we left. There is going to be peace because God says so. That's part of the plan. There has been a peacemaker who has come, a peacemaker extraordinaire, Jesus, and his peace is powerful and will roll out. It's begun. It's not perfect. That's heaven, but it has begun. What does it look like, feel like, sound like? Check out Isaiah 9, uh, verses 1 to 7. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. Man, that's peacemaking. In the past, he humbled the lands of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. Remember, we picked this up when we were going through the beginnings of the Sermon on the Mount, the the preceding uh, uh, paragraphs before the Sermon on the Mount. So in the past, he humbled, this is God, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan. Of course, he's speaking about Jesus's ministry there. Verse 2, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Verse 5, every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. And this is a very familiar section. For to us, a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. It's part of his calling, as part of his charge, is innately what this prince does, peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding with it justice and righteousness. Uh, That dyad, that Hebrew dyad that speaks of what the king does and the outpouring of that would be peace. So establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. It's not like it's optional. This is God's plan. Isaiah 9, 1 to 7. So peacemaking is not just what caring people do, secular, atheist, agnostics, and all faiths. By the way, good, good on them, right? But that's not what we're talking about here. It's a unique aspect of the true Son of God's DNA. Peace flourishes uniquely and innately in his kingdom, his reign. True peacemakers then reflect him, and they participate in his passion, for that passion indwells them as his spirit indwells them, as Paul says in Ephesians 3, in our inner being. So it could be said in one sense, that's how you know you're in his reign, that he is your king. 
you're making peace. You're leaning into it. You're concerned about it. Now, you're not perfectly. I get that. But people and tribes who used to be on the outs at each other's necks and and uh, those destructive power struggles, in the wake of this kingdom, they, they begin to act a little more like neighbors, right? A true miraculous change of heart, not not uh, legislated that you have to be at peace, right? Or, or you just sign a, uh, a peace treaty. There's actually a change of heart in Jesus's reign. And, you know, in, in those days, without the need for endless Roman legions keeping the Pax Romana, but also, you note this, and this might be troubling at first blush, in the metaphor, this shalom, this peace is being made at a great price. The powers that held the people down, that enslaved them, right? So yoke, shoulder bar, uh, instruments of oppressions, the rod, they're violently destroyed. The, the oppressor's paraphernalia is burned in a fire. And there's righteousness and justice, that idiom that speaks to fair and just trial before God, where there is fair judgment for all crimes, payment, restoration, reconciliation, and all of that had been taken. Guilt is determined and just punishment is dealt out, even if a substitute takes the price and pays it in full. Peace at cost. Um, this is the way we were created. This is the image of God. All beat up victims. I mean, this is good news for victims, that, that there can be peace and restoration. Uh, you know, victims are less troubled that, that uh, justice will be at a cost. But the truth is, there can be no peace until there has been justice, a fair justice, a fair rendering that restores wholeness. All right, check out Isaiah 11. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, from his roots a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of power, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. And this is meaning from God's justice and righteousness, right? This, this stuff that oozes out of the court of God. So this, this shoot, this uh, branch, will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Verse 5, righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness, the sash around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the hole of the cobra, and the young child put his hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters covers the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for all the peoples. The nations will rally to him, and the place of rest will be glorious. Isaiah 11, 1 to 10. So listen, once again, violent justice metaphors. Sweet music to the ears of victims and, and the oppressed, because only then can there be peace, biblically. You can't have peace by God just waving his hands. There needs to be a cost. Uh, you, you can't have forgiveness without, with, with God just making choices. There needs to be justice. There just does. And, and with Jesus, he personally will take on justice due perpetrators. And, 
or else his kingdom would be without those perpetrators, right? And by the way, we are all perpetrators to one degree or another. So peacemaking includes leaning into embracing a just celestial justice. There is no peace um, apart from that justice. So peacemakers are concerned for justice, justice for all, by the way. So somehow we moderns have imagined a peace that becomes peace because we give up justice. That's, that's absurd biblically. It's impossible. It's not how we're made. It's not part of God's DNA that has been uh, shown to us. I think that part of our problem is that we've been experiencing for so long, we've lived in an unjust justice, a justice that's more just for some at the cost of others. But what the Bible speaks about is a justice that is just for all. And that's the justice that brings in its wake real shalom. So peacemaking is for all image bearers, not some. Not just one religion, one class, one skin color, one sex, um, one nation. It's justice for all. And in this just kingdom, right, the one ushered in by Jesus, all diminishment of any and all persons will be rightly and equally considered. Isn't that a great, that's just, oh my gosh, that's such great news. It's so unimaginable. And not just justice for one race or sex or economic status or nationality or people, all of them. All of us will have our day in court. All of us will have a voice before the just and fair judge who is empathy incarnate. Right? But who but that judge will take justice seriously. Again, for all, not just one race or sex or color. Peacemaking that we're talking about, that Jesus was talking about on that hillside in Galilee, again, with the scattered groups of people from multiple tribes around the region, peacemaking requires a just justice and a just judge, right? And by the way, that's the social justice that we're crying out for and longing for and have missed in this world, that kind of justice. And it starts with being reconciled to God through Jesus. It just does. This is what Jesus was doing for those people on that hillside. He wasn't just giving new guidelines. Look, here's how we can lean into this peacemaking. Here's how we can do this better. Here's how we can care for people. Look at the heart, not just the the actions. No, 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 no. He is talking about a new heart. The reason that we're in a mess is largely because of our old hearts. See, peacemaking requires a new heart. The Pax Romana was a peace that was enforced with power and fear of falling out of line, right? So the Pax Romana, the Roman peace, had to be forced down people's throats because their hearts were were not new. But the peacemaking of Jesus requires a spiritual new heart that actually cares for others and the well-being of others a little bit more, perfectly in heaven, but a little bit more here and now. Our churches should be overflowing with that. We we, we can. It's, it's a spirit thing. and And this peacemaking of Jesus is enforced by a new motivation that ultimately sees people as equals and of equal vessels of honor. And it begins to see peoples of all stripes worthy of equal justice and equal honor. So back to the last beatitude. Remember 5.8, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. If you are a child of God, 
you are feeling more pure in heart, meaning you're becoming more and more dependent upon God and finding your sense of worth and value and status and face and honor in Him. Since He is your permanent benefactor and husband, you feel a little more full of your sense of identity and worth, so you just don't need others to fill you as much. You you don't succumb to the ongoing competition for identity and value and worth, right? Because you already have it. Um, you're freed from that a little, right? Look, if someone robs worth from you or face from you, you've incurred a debt. You're not in as much desperation to have that hole filled as quickly and as urgently, or even filled by the person or institution that hurt you. You're being filled by God out of his fullness, right? Ephesians 3. So when somebody takes something from you, the habit can be formed where you actually run to him empty-handed and, and ask for a restoration to honor. So you can look at the person or institution that hurt you less as a desperately emptied cup whose value and honor is totally dependent upon being filled quickly and even forcing that person who robbed you to fill you. Um, and, and you can feel more as a person who still has face because your relationship with God is secure. You feel secure in the arms of the God who fills. You aren't crashing into that autonomic fear cycle as quickly or as much. So you can enter then, if that's the case, if, if that is you and you're experiencing this change, this new heart, where your identity is no longer based upon competition here, but it's, it's solid, you can enter into the role of being a peacemaker in the, in the shadow of Christ a little more. And there's options as peacemakers, right? It isn't just you choose to forgive, right? You can you can forgive, and you're probably a little more motivated to because you feel honor towards even the perpetrator and the perpetrational institution. Or you can pursue reconciliation through dialogue or intervention. By the way, you can also take them to court. Sometimes that is the right thing to do. You can separate from them. Maybe that's the smart thing to do. But in your head, alongside of the natural human emotions of anger or shame, desperation, revenge, retaliation, suspicion, fear, something new is coexisting, something new and exciting. In, in addition to those things which are very human, you also feel a bit more empathy and benevolence for the perpetrator, the, the person or institution that hurt you a little, and you're receiving a sense of justice from God's vault. And so you need justice less from the person or institution that hurt you. And you can work with that. That's the fingerprint of Jesus and his kingdom. And there's no other place to get that. So children of God, listen, can be better peacemakers. Now, a little bit different for sure. So um, again, Jesus is not motivating regular people, right? Secular people, atheists, agnostics, Buddhists, Hindus, those people who are isolated from him, uh, from his point of view, unfilled, thirsty cups. He, he's not motivating everybody into this peacemaking journey, right? Uh, he's not saying that that's the way, and some people say this, I think it's crazy, uh, that's somehow how you earn a spot alongside the king, you, you gain his pleasure by being peacemakers, right? Now you can be called sons of God. No, no, no. First, receive by faith. That's how you do it, by faith, a glorious spot alongside the king. You become a son or daughter of God and, and be filled with the fullness of God, Ephesians 3. But 
listen, and this is the this is the caveat, beware, once you are there, depending upon the Holy Spirit, leaning into Jesus, doing good things, and, and you find yourself more and more motivated to be a kingdom peacemaker, even though it can cost you, right? Um, you're, and you're doing it by the fruit of the Spirit, actually loving others. Uh, here's my question. Will you be effective? Because it's a God thing, right? Uh, that's the point, is we want to be effective. Well, I don't know. Um, I don't know. But here's what I do know. Will you be persecuted? Yeah, absolutely. Um, bad news, right? So, yeah, the right question is this. Bill, are you saying that even after what I've been through, what has been done to me, all the abuse, the loss of face, the betrayal, the humiliation, the cost, the crimes, the dishonor, and now here you are shaming me into letting it go and to, that that because I'm a child of God, I need to choose to forgive and give up my right of justice so that I won't be a disappointment to Jesus in this peacemaking thing. No, that's a great question, by the way. That's exactly what I'm not saying. So let me say real clearly, hell no, I am not doing that. Here's what I'm suggesting. First, wounded one, hurt one, abused one, humiliated one, uh, one who's been subject to racism and frustration. First, all of us run into the arms of our benefactor, king, husband, God, Look up by faith into his eyes, his loving eyes, his adoring eyes, his empathetic eyes, and see he is so concerned for our pain and our loss. And he has, he's the king, he's the magnanimous king, he's, he has the capacity to end the pain and to wipe all of our tears away, and he promises that that will eventually be done. Take hope in that. But hear the gentleness, the caring, uh, the security and safety, all for you. And then ask him, Ephesians 3, to give you his power. Because at this point, you're feeling powerless and frustrated. So ask him to give you his power through his spirit in your inner being to, to make you feel his love, his desire towards you, his joy towards you. Drink it in. This could take an hour, could take a day, it could take a week, and just abide there. Again and again, just dwell on, meditate on Ephesians 3, 14 to 21, uh, say the simple, uncluttered gospel. If you have a copy of that, you can access that from our website. Jesus purchased all of that for you 2,000 years ago. It's yours. You can't lose it. You can't improve on it. He loves you as much as the Father, loves the Son and the Spirit, and the Spirit and the Son love the Father. And look, you've been beat up so much. You've been traumatized to one degree or another, so your brain has stopped hearing the music. It's not your fault. All I mean, not all your fault, but you can do something. A child could do it. A pastor could do it. A theologian could do it. Ask him to make you enter the dance again. Uh, if you need help, go to the-dance.org, and we'll walk you through it. We'll walk you through the baby steps. Um, look, so many people have been helped. Uh, go for it. Dig on it. So listen, have you felt that dance recently? Or has it been a year or a decade or more that dance, that participation in the Spirit, um, hearing God, Zephaniah, right, dance over you, joy over you, that can alleviate a lot of the pain of the injustice that you feel. Not all of it, that's heaven, but it can soothe the ache of not being heard, not being appreciated, not being seen, being overlooked, uh, not being vindicated, and it can tame the fear of being ignored. Um, I, I get that. I felt that. 
um, that existential injustice we've all felt at some point or another. And some people, man, you hear their story, it's almost this is all they've felt. So I'm begging you, just keep asking. He has, he's deep enough. And as you do this, and again, it can take a couple hours, like in the forgiving path, if, if there's a specific crime you struggle with, go to the forgiving path. Or, But it also could take days or weeks. I get that. But you'll begin to feel, this is the plan to feel more vindicated in the arms of Jesus, less of a victim, more honored, more full. Slowly, slowly sometimes, you're going to start seeing the perpetrator, the institution that hurt you, the person who hurt you. You're going to start seeing them differently. And it's a necessary fruit of the dynamic of depending upon Jesus by faith. You do not do it to earn God's favor, to become God's child. You do it because you have God's favor, because you are his child. And then you'll begin to hear the rest of Jesus's words differently. Mm -hmm. So listen, and is there a division between you and a brother, maybe a fellow Christian, or and by that also, or sister? Matthew 5, 22. But I tell you, Jesus says, that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother, Raka, is answerable to the Sanhedrin. But anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. We're going to talk about that more in a future podcast. But you hear the caring? And is Jesus saying that that you just stop being angry? You just turn off the rage, the hurt, the revenge and retaliation? You, you just reach into, uh, into your control box and flip a switch? Well, good luck with that. I've never been able to do that. There's a reason you're angry, and it's human. It's your brain, and you don't have a switch to turn it off. What do you do? You, do you grunt and groan and... Right? There's no muscle group. There's no health clubs to to work out those muscle groups. But if I'm immersed in the fruit of the Spirit, right, His Spirit, and and I'm asking for God's power to field God's uh, Jesus's love for me and that brother or sister, you look. I'm going to feel a, a little bit less angry, right, than I would have before. I might even might just might begin to feel God's love for the person a little bit. And so definitely we're not saying fake it till you make it at all. You need a power. I need a power. What about someone who is at legal odds with you where it's implied that, that you are some, it's, it's partly your fault, Matthew five twenty five. And again, we'll cover this in some detail. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who's taking you to court. Do it while you're still with him on the way, or he may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. Well, what if there was a power to actually make me care for the well-being of that person that I hurt? Right? I mean, I go, oh my gosh, I actually did hurt that person. I've caused this to some degree. And for something was is happening inside of me where I'm less interested in my well-being a little bit, and uh, I'm, I'm a little more interested in the, the well-being of the person that I hurt, and I'm willing to actually admit that. And I, and I want to reconcile with that person because they are now more of value to me than they were just a second ago. Think of the strategies that open up for me. That's Jesus' point, right? And this is, just seems lately so flat out un-American to reconcile quickly. And miss court? I mean, court could 
give me a new reputation, could set me free, could I could get money out of that, and I, or I could hurt the person, right? A new strategy opens up if I'm actually filled with God's love for that person. And what about division caused by adultery or affairs or pornography? Matthew 5, 27, you've heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. Well, listen, why would I have adultery with someone if I was really concerned about their well-being, their emotional wellness, their family? Why would I do that? Well, I wouldn't, right? I'd only do that if I was concerned about my own feelings and, and objectifying that person. Well, here's a shocker from Paul. Did you know that reconciliation is core to our mission here? I mean, I've said before, you've probably heard me, there's nothing more core to the gospel than forgiving others. But you know what? Equally core to the gospel is reconciliation. And you know what? We're terrible at it. Look, I'll admit it. I'm really bad at it. Here's 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 19. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, there it is, that's you, Christian. He is a new creation. Yeah, this is not just... um, Stuff that, I mean, you have to be able to experience this. You're a new creation. Something's changed. The old is gone. The new has come. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That's our ministry. We're all called to that. And and that includes peacemaking. So he gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. So not just the ministry, but also the message. Uh, Here's Luther's uh, comments updated uh, by me. Uh, I call it the posture of the ground prayer. Listen, I think this will be valuable. What? Can't you see that you're responding out of your old ratty phileo heart? Run as quickly as you can to the living water of Christ and begin to access by faith. Ask for his love that he has for the one who hurt you. As you submit to the Spirit in this, by faith you will begin to notice something. You will argue for your position less. You will feel the need to justify your anger and hurt less often. Even if you have a wildly strong case for being in the right, you will need to convince others less. You will hold to your rights a little less enthusiastically. You will begin to see that Jesus already paid for that crime against you. Just ask to be filled with the Spirit again and again. Whenever you need, boy, do you need him. Then you will begin to act like a resident of the first world less often, and you will find yourself stepping up to the throne again as a child of the king, more often, you will begin, just begin, to love with his love. There will be at last a movement towards reconciliation. It may be only 5% or 10% of the way, but it will be noticeable. So, in summary, we're not children of God because we're peacemakers or because we did anything else. We are children of God because of what Jesus has done, period. We become peacemakers a little more as we depend upon him and his spirit. Here we are. Let me give you the Beatitudes to date, uh, just so we can continue to dwell on them. In a in a few podcasts, I'm actually going to do my uh, screen version of the Beatitudes, and I think you'll appreciate that. I'll start at 5.3. Enviable are those who were formerly unenviable because God is now their benefactor husband. Enviable are the inconsolable because I bring them close and comfort them myself. 
enviable are the humiliated, the disinherited. They will experience the fulfillment of all of the promises of God. Enviable are the ones who are obsessed with fixing all of the brokenness and disparity in their own selves, relationships, culture, and in the world around them, particularly related to restoration to favor with God. They will experience that and more. I will see to it. Enviable are the merciful to others. That tells me that they are experiencing his mercy for them over and over. Enviable are the ones who rest dependent in God's arms like a newborn child. They will see his face smiling upon them and know that he is there for them. And lastly, enviable are you who lean into being reconcilers versus dividers. That tells me that you have a new heart of a child of God. Well, as we'll see next time, there's great irony here that we won't overlook. The promise of Jesus is that peacemakers will be, not maybe, will be persecuted, meaning put out of right relationships with the community, the very communities that you're seeking peace in. It's another paradox. We'll pick it up next time. Until then, take heart, child of God. If you're tired of parenting advice and news headlines that are more confusing than assembling IKEA furniture, we've got just the podcast for you. My dear friend Abby and I are here to help you navigate the parenting roller coaster. Should your kids be on social media? What should you tell a friend facing an unplanned pregnancy? These are just some of the many questions we tackle on our podcast. Subscribe to The Real Deal of Parenting wherever you find your podcast.